About an hour after Kansas 68-66 loss to Duke in the Champions Classic on Tuesday, KU beat writer Jesse Newell somehow found a quiet space at Madison Square Garden in New York to break down the game on Sportsbeat KC presented by Big O Tires. It's Wednesday, November 6th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Later, we'll hear from a Chiefs quarterback who has a passer rating over 100 this season. That's Patrick Mahomes and Matt Moore who fall into that category. And one will start on Sunday at Tennessee. We'll hear from him. Okay, it's Matt Moore later in the show. But there was a big development at practice on Wednesday. Mahomes was listed as a full participant. That's big news. Two practices and injury reports remain this week but it's unlikely that a player listed as a full participant wouldn't play on Sunday. And if Mahomes plays, it'll be for the first time since dislocating his kneecap last month in Denver. But first, here's Jesse. Talking to Jesse Newell, who covered the Kansas 68-66 loss to Duke tonight. Uh, We're talking to him about an hour or so after the game. Jesse's going to be traveling tomorrow. So, And besides, I wanted to talk to Jesse while the game was still fresh in his memory Jesse, a only the second time in the, in the Bill Self era that uh, that Bill Self a Bill Self team lost a season opening game. You know the other one was out in Honolulu, right? It was uh, against Indiana, and I remember that one being a little bit more of an artistic game than the one you saw tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, twenty eight turnovers. That's going to be the number that gets repeated over and over and over again for this Kansas team, but. Rightfully so. Uh, it's really difficult to win a game, any game, uh, if you basically are handing the other team not only um, empty possessions, but giving them opportunities for points in transition. We saw you know, what Cassius Stanley can do when he gets out on a fast break and can tomahawk jam, all those sorts of things. So um, it's sort of an interesting game, Blair, because I know with the Champions Classic, one versus two, ver- three versus four, we want to kind of come to grand conclusions about the season and about where these teams are going to go. But Uh, This is sort of an incomplete for me with this Kansas team just because I think a lot of these turnovers, some of them uh, were credit to Duke because Trey Jones had some good defense on the ball and they did some creative things to kind of try to make KU's big men uh, become playmakers. And obviously that's not a strength for either Sylvia DeSosa or David McCormick or Yudo Kazabuki, but part of these were just bad plays by Kansas, like just fundamental things like OJ Abaji a couple times, not just pitching ahead on fast breaks. And so, I mean, I would love to just sit here and say turnovers and, you know, pound the desk and say turnovers are going to cost Kansas the rest of the season. It's going to be the reason they don't go far. But I, I got to be honest, like in one month, I think that this game would have been 21 turnovers instead of 28 for Kansas because they would just do some more simple things correctly. And uh, if that would have happened, they would have won the game. But uh, that's not how it works out. And as you'd mentioned, uh, KU drops to 0-1. Uh, that will only be temporary because obviously K's got a game Friday, so uh, they'll get in the win column here very shortly. And I thought one of the big plays late was a turnover. It was McCormick trying the bounce pass to Azubuki under the basket with KU. I think it was down one at the time. I can't remember how much time was left, but it was just such such a poor decision um, to to try that pass. I and and that's I agree with you. Watching the game, just some of these mistakes, a lot of the unforced errors were just just bad decisions on Kansas' part. Duke Duke was credited with, I think, 10 or 11 steals tonight. And 28 turnovers means that there were a lot of, you know, a lot of miscues by Kansas that weren't necessarily caused by Duke. I think Duke played a good game defensively, don't get me wrong. But Kansas, I think, finds itself in a position there where they got a lot to clean up. Yeah, and here's an interesting stat for you, Blair. Last year, Duke was number 353 in the nation. Uh, there's 353 Division One teams 
when it came to non-steal turnover percentage. So almost all of their turnovers they forced were via the steal. And tonight you mentioned it. KU had 28 turnovers, and only 11 of those were Duke steals. So this is a Duke team that when they don't get a steal for a turnover, they're not a team that takes a bunch of charges or that steps in that way or forces travels. They're a team that kind of just guards the ball, and if, if they don't get the steal right off of that, then normally teams don't turn it over. So I think that speaks to jitters. I think it speaks to guys being uptight and nervous and jittery. And you mentioned that David McCormick play. I mean, it was kind of a perfect encapsulation of what we were talking about because if you go back and watch the film um, on this, Yudoka Azubuki rolls to the basket. Cape kind of has a, a very quick two-on-one situation. Bill Self said afterwards he wouldn't have minded if David McCormick shot the ball, which would have been about a five or six base, five or six foot baseline jumper. But if you watch Udoka, he rolls to the rim, and what's the first thing he does? He points up. He's saying, throw me the lob, throw me the lob. And you think about it, Udoka has a bookie seven feet tall. And if you're going two on one, uh, you know, in kind of this very quick uh, number scenario, then yes, you want your seven footer with the seven foot seven wingspan to go get the ball above the rim and not have to try to bend down and catch a bounce pass in the lane. And so um, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, it sounds cliche to say, oh, this is good coaching tape for Bill Self, but um, this is exactly it. I just feel like they're going to go tomorrow when they're watching this film and and Ochai Abaji, you know, when he's dribbling up the court and doesn't pass the ball immediately up ahead to Devon Dotson to take advantage of a three-on-one instead of doing it late and causes a turnover and Duke scores on the other end, I mean, that's the play that, you know, that's, that's a play that cost Kansas four or five points and it could cost you the game. And so these just seem like very simple things and these are things that Bill Self teams usually do not have happen, um, again, over the course of the season. So, uh, yeah, I thought that play encapsulated it really well and KU, if they make that play, they go up one instead of going down one, uh, had to foul Trey Young or Trey Jones and he made two free throws. That was basically the ball game. So uh, for Kansas, that really did kind of summarize the night for them, which was a simple play made hard and a turnover really costing them in the most crucial moments. And that Agbaji, the Agbaji play that you talked about was a five-point swing, right? That was a three-on-one. That was an easy easy bucket for Kansas instead. Of, I, I forgot who, who hit the three on the other end, but immediately hit a three on the other end. And I think that cut a Kansas lead to, to one where they could have, you know, could have increased their lead at, at the time. But on, on the other hand, look, Kansas comes out, they have 18 turnovers in the first half, and they're down only three, because I thought Kansas played pretty good defense, um, uh, held Duke to a pretty low shooting percentage, uh, had had its own defensive pressure. I, I thought Kansas was the more athletic team, played some, you know, just, just played pretty good defense. And then in the second half gets started, Kansas does a much better job taking care of the ball. They go... The first, uh, what, first six, seven minutes without a turnover, and suddenly they're up nine. And, and so you're thinking, gosh, if this had been Kansas earlier, no, ma- no no telling what the lead would have been. But then three straight possessions with a turnover, some sloppy basketball. In that stretch, Duke got a couple of three-pointers, and a, a quickly a nine-point lead was down to three. And then pretty soon after that, it was a Duke lead, and it was nip and tuck after that. So... There's just no getting around. The, the story of this game for Kansas was was the mistakes. Yeah, and I'm kind of trying to do a quick math here, Blair, in my head, but it's looking like KU had about uh, 81 possessions, which is a pretty fast-paced game. So 66 points on 81 possessions. You know, you're talking somewhere in the 0. .7, 0. .8 range, and uh, college basketball, the average is about one. So I, like you said, there's no getting around that type of offense. Um, I looked up. For a full game last year, K's worst mark was 0.83 in a loss at Iowa State, and um, this one was probably worse than that, looking at these numbers preliminarily. So you, you just can't win basketball games that way if, if you score at that poor of a level. And I thought you made a good point uh, for KU defensively. I thought 
really, they did some pretty good things on that end. Um, the one thing that they still struggled with was that four position. Matthew Hurt uh, freed himself up for some open threes. I thought he missed a couple that could have been daggers for Kansas, and they just kind of rattled out late, which maybe that would have turned the game into an eight or a 10-point victory for Duke. But, you know, all in all, David McCormick, uh, 13 rebounds with 10 defensive rebounds. He cleared a lot of boards, made some good outlet passes. And then uh, Marcus Garrett, not you know, he didn't finish a lot of his drives offensively. He was at least aggressive there and made some great off-ball plays, just really good instincts and, and help defense. So I thought you're right. The defense as a whole was really good to kind of keep them in this game. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, in football, if, if you score seven points, you're not going to win many games. For Kansas, this is kind of the equivalent of uh, a football team scoring seven points. You know, you're just not going to remain in this one. And this kind of ended up being the equivalent of losing 10 to seven or 13 to seven. And so, okay, you will take the loss and move on from it. But like I said, I, I think the encouraging part here, if, if you want to look at bright spots, is that this wasn't KU getting overwhelmed talent-wise. This wasn't KU, um, you know, doing some things that makes you question their rotation or their players. This was just KU doing some simple things absolutely wrong. And that's the sort of stuff that usually clear, clears itself up with practice time. Right. And so there was no Isaiah Moss tonight either. What's what's his status? Yeah, uh, Bill Self, uh, you know, he held him out with a hamstring injury. He said he could have gone tonight, but he just didn't want to push it. Those are the things that kind of can flare up back on you and that's happened once with Isaiah already is that he got back to practice and then um, you know re-injured the play diving on the floor so uh, Bill Self hopes to get him back soon obviously he's a floor spacer and could help out maybe kind of the crowded house inside if he's on the floor but uh, for right now just taking precautionary measure and uh, you know I think it's the right move again um, it's Champions Classic it seems like the whole sun and the moon in the world in one game but uh, Kansas needs Isaiah Moss for the long haul they need him to uh, be healthy for the long run here especially since now they're down to 10 scholarship players with Mitch Lightfoot taking a redshirt for this season. So um, it's not worth going um, completely all out to try to just win this one game and have him re-injure himself, which has already happened in the past. So Bill Self said afterwards in the press conference that Isaiah Moss has really only been healthy for Kansas for one day. So they'll continue to uh, try to work him in the rotation and see how quickly he can kind of step back in and contribute to uh, this particular team. Yeah, I thought about him in in the first couple of TV timeout segments where Kansas didn't even attempt a three-pointer early against a team that they attempted 36 against in the NCAA tournament two years ago. But Kansas ends up 4 of 11 from behind the arc, and uh, that that wasn't much of a weapon for for the Jayhawks tonight. And maybe a, a sign of things to come for this team that – uh, or or perhaps when Enaruna and, and Brown get a little more playing time, we'll see some more perimeter play from the Jayhawks. But there was just so much of a so much of a, a drive and, and, and uh, an effort to you know to win the battle up front. And I, I don't think you know Azubuki and McCormick did maybe did, didn't do as much as you wanted to see offensively. They combined for what Azubuki with eight and and McCormick with with six. They were great on the boards, like you said, with the combined for twenty two rebounds, but. I thought Kansas had they just had trouble getting the ball to them in, in good scoring positions and so often that that accounted for for the turnover total for for Dotson and Agbaji. Yeah, and you mentioned it Blair just the, if you look at it um you know, Duke was doubling inside, which was forcing the big men to make plays for each other. And then um, Bill Self even said this after the game a few years ago against Kentucky when KU lost so badly. Basically, at the end of the game, he was just telling Tyshawn Taylor to go drive the ball because that was their only offense. And really, that's what KU was resorting to at the end of the game with Marcus Garrett. And it was Marcus Garrett basically because uh, – 
you know, Devon Dotson was had a really tough matchup, Trey Jones, and he really couldn't shake him defensively uh, or Devon Dotson offensively in this particular game. So, yeah, LFKU really searching for options, and they just couldn't find anything reliable down the stretch. If you can't get your big guys going and they can't take advantage of double teams and you don't have outside shooting, um, you're, you're left to drive. And, and Marcus Garrett's not the guy you want to do that for Kansas uh, if you have your choice between him and Devon Dotson. But, again, at least he tried. At least he wanted to go in there and, and looked aggressive with it. But uh, not enough for KU. And, actually, the box scores have been kind of crazy here. The ESPN numbers weren't exact on – um, online, so KU was actually four for nine in the official box score oh, from okay. three. So You're only right. n- only nine attempts uh, out of fifty. So again, this is a double-edged sword. If you play big and this is the way you want to go with it, then you're going to get more free throws. KU shot twenty-six free throws. You're going to shoot a decent percentage inside. You're going to maybe play pretty good defense, which is what Kansas did, and own the glass, which is what Kansas did. But you're not going to shoot many threes, and you have the potential for some turnovers. And so I think we saw basically all the facets of what two big ball looks like for Kansas in one game. And uh, like we talked about, that that ended up resulting in a very close loss. Okay. Hey, quick thought on Silvio De Souza. His first game since. What the final four game of, of 2018 finally saw him in action three points a couple of rebounds four rebounds uh do you, do you see him getting uh you know his playing time increasing as as the season goes on um well probably more than seven minutes but it's, it's tough to tell um you know right now david mccormick is not great at guarding that forward position or guarding on the perimeter but he's probably better than silvio and that doesn't seem like the case with the two particular body types you know silvio looks really kind of athletic and shorter and it seems like he should be able to guard the perimeter but uh that has not been his forte so far and david um is a little bit more lanky and a little bit more awkward with it but it looks like he's trying hard and trying to shuffle his feet and a little bit more intense so um for bill self right now david was the better option and like i said i think for the most part uh what for what he's being asked to do he played pretty well tonight you know some good outlet passes some good rebounds uh but for silvio i, I just think he needs to lock in on the defensive end i mean he can't play if he can't guard on the perimeter and if he doesn't focus he can't guard on the perimeter so um yeah seven minutes tonight and uh, I would love to tell you it's going to go up, but he's kind of an awkward fit next to Doak. And until he can prove that otherwise, then uh, minutes for him are going to be probably pretty tough to come by. All right, Jesse. Hey, appreciate the time tonight and safe travels back home. Hey, I appreciate it, Blair. Thanks. Big O Tires is rolling out Black Friday deals now through December 8th. Get limited time Black Friday savings on oil changes, brakes, car batteries, and more. You'll also save big on tires. How big? Buy three select tires, get one free with paid installation, including brands like Nitto and Cooper. Get four tires, but pay for only three. Right now at Big O Tires, during Black Friday deals only through December 8th. Interest-free financing available, too. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Matt Moore's football season started at Hart High School in Southern California, working with the quarterbacks. 
Moore had last played in an NFL game in 2017. He sat out last year and figured his playing days were over. But during the Chiefs' third preseason game, backup quarterback Chad Henney suffered a broken ankle. Chiefs general manager Brett Veach put in a call to Moore, asking him to fly to Kansas City to become the team's top backup to Mahomes. Moore was stunned to receive the call, but thrilled to be back in an NFL locker room. Seeing action would be a long shot. After all, Mahomes had never missed a snap in a game because of an injury. But the unexpected happened in Week 7 with the Chiefs visiting Denver. On a quarterback sneak, Mahomes suffered a dislocated right kneecap. Enter Matt Moore. The Chiefs finished off the Broncos, and Moore has started the two games since then, performing well. He's thrown four touchdown passes without an interception, and after the Chiefs fell to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football, they came back to beat the Minnesota Vikings last week. In that game, Moore threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, and he showed terrific poise on the Chiefs' final possession with completions to Travis Kelsey and Hill that set up Harrison Butker's game-winning field goal. So it was Moore and not Mahomes who met the media on Wednesday at the Chiefs' training facility. Mahomes may start Sunday. Reed said he'll do more at practice this week. But it was interesting to hear from Moore, and we'll get his impressions of the season, playing for Andy Reed, and having Mahomes as a teammate. Here's Matt Moore. You know, who's ever back there has a really good idea of what coach wants. And um, there's there's no questions. You go in feeling really good. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Matt, I'm sorry you didn't ask this before when you first got signed. But can you tell, where exactly were you when you got the call that Chiefs were interested in you? And, and you told your agent, just, what was that communication process like for you to know that you still had a chance to go back and you wanted to go back and play? Yeah, I just got a phone call. I mean, I got a, out of the blue. I got a phone call and, and uh, thought about it quickly and made that decision. Um, there was no plan. There was no, uh, you know, we weren't doing anything to, to find a job, if you will. Um, it just kind of happened. Have you called? Uh, Veach called first and then Coach Reed. Man, I know we've we mentioned this before, the, the circumstances of no OTA training camp, mm-hmm. preseason game to get sort of your body ready. Um, because of your experience, what have you taken from that that you can apply to keep your body as fresh as possible? Yeah. Playing in the middle of the season, understanding guys are trying to yeah. uh, be physical. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, you do a lot of training in OTAs and training camp, which I didn't have. So I think instantly when I got here, it, I kind of got into that mode a little bit. And then especially when you start playing, you, the recovery is crucial. Um, so that's been big, just trying to feel as good as you can uh, every day, so it's it's a it's an everyday thing, and and the people we have here do a really good job of, of making sure you're in the shape you need to be in and, and feel the best you can. Is there, is there one trick you took from Carolina or Miami that you can apply here? I don't I, I don't know. I mean, in season it's a different beast. You know what I mean. So I think you just go out and, and practice hard. I mean, that's going to probably be the best thing for you. Just practice as game like as you can. Um, I mean, there's no secret other than doing whatever you can do to, to feel your best. Man, have they talked at all about what will happen when Patrick comes back? No, no. We're, we are uh, kind of in the same pattern we've been in in the past couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're day-to-day and, and moving forward to, uh, similar to last week. So um, practice-wise, you know, again, take advantage of the reps that you get um, and just kind of go that way. Have you played with a receiver in your career that's quite got the combination of skills that Tyreek does? Man, he's a, he's a unique guy. Um, you know, there's not many, there's not many guys out there like him. Um, I've played with some good ones, but he's different, you know, and, and to have him to know he can track down any ball and use his 
speed and his talents to get open the way he does, uh, it's it's a nice feeling knowing you got him out there. Matt, you might have addressed this Sunday, but uh, on the third and four that set up the game-winning field goal, mm-hmm. you connected with Tyree. Mm-hmm. Just take us through what, what adjustments were made at the line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not many. We had a really good play call on, and uh, if anything, Tyreek, I think, just kind of sped up his route a little bit. Uh, he was aware. Uh, it was a blitz. He was aware and uh, kind of quickened it up and, you know, it was a good target, and we hit him, and, and he did the rest. So um, nothing special, just just good execution there. And how much of that is just going from you knowing him a little bit, too, I mean, at this stage after a few games? Yeah, it's nice. You know, early on you get to watch, and you try and pick up as much as you you can about these guys, some of their style of play, how they play. And, and so I had that benefit of just watching for a little bit. But um, and then obviously being with them the past couple of weeks, um, you get to know quickly because it can benefit you as a quarterback. So um, I, I had anticipated that he was going to recognize that and, and quicken it up. And, and it's exactly what he did. And it was a big play for us. When locking yourself back, were you impressed with that you were able to address some of the things that you noticed that, that first week of uh, what you were able to um, do? You had noted that. Yeah, yeah. There were some things that we corrected, and then uh, you know you go back and watch, and now there's there's a handful of things that you got to correct again. You know what I mean? It's it's a never-ending battle that way. I think you're striving to get better every day. Um, but yeah, there was we cleaned up some things, and and obviously each game poses different issues, challenges, uh, things to correct. So. Um, Again, we're every day we're we're adjusting and adapting, trying to get better. Yeah, you said you've been kind of all ears to what Pat gives you during a game and what he sees over the last two games. Has anything stuck out of what he's told you that you've gone out in a certain formation of play and actually happened the way? Man, I wish I had a great story for you. Um, I mean, it's all just little things, you know, just just. Uh, tidbits, you know, maybe formationally coverage, you know, maybe a way uh, a DB's playing, um, things like that. Uh, right now, at this moment, nothing stands out to me, but um, he's definitely, definitely been a help for sure. And you mentioned it's been a little bit of a holding pattern on practice and mm-hmm. day to day. As we stand here, like right now, do you know what your practice is going to be like today? Do you know how many reps you're getting with the ones? I, mean, I, I don't. I don't. I'm going to, no, I don't. I'm going to go out and, and practice and prepare. Um, um, with whatever comes my way. And I think that's the approach I've taken uh, for a while now, and that's approach I'll, the approach I'll continue to take. A couple Were you more watching the game when Patrick got injured? <laughs> did it occur to you that this might happen? I didn't. I mean, I was obviously watching. I didn't, uh, I mean, on a quarterback sneak, I did not anticipate something like that, no. Um, I mean, naturally, any. Once you saw that he was injured, did, you, did it occur to you that maybe I'll get a call and they'll want me to be the starting quarterback? Oh, oh. Too far flung an idea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I don't know if I thought that. I just, it's, it's been wild. I've been trying to, like I said, day to day. I mean, that's the most honest answer I can give you. Matt, tell us about Patrick as a teammate. Phenomenal. Um, for a young guy who hasn't been around, the leadership is off the charts. Um, his relationships with all the guys is impressive. Uh, the way he communicates, um, the respect that he shows for everybody. I mean, it's he's what you want. Um, it's really impressive to see. Can you Good. sum up the last, last couple of weeks here and what it may mean for you going forward? Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's uh, It's been a wild couple of weeks. Um, it's been fun. I've learned a lot. Um, so it's... What it means moving forward is, is you know, I got to be ready to go at all times, and and uh, you know, who knows what the future holds? I, you know, in this league, you never know. So I'm trying to be the best I can be every day, and that, that's all. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Matt. Thanks. thanks.
Links to the KU Duke and Chiefs stories can be found in the show notes. We also have apps, KU Hoops and Red Zone Extra, for additional coverage. Thanks to producer Leah Becerra for putting together today's show. We'll drop another Sports Beat KC on Thursday, and this one will originate from our sponsor, Big O Tires. We'll talk to you then.